the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast, explaining the news coming out of the complex worlds of finance, economics, and politics, and the impact it will have on everyday Americans. Author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, and trader, Chris Markowski. All right, welcome, everybody. Hope uh, we had a long, extended weekend, and for uh, parents out there with kids, uh, week off from school. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere this uh, February break, so we'll be uh, we'll be on for the uh, this week's entirety. And uh, yeah, I'll be doing the radio show this weekend. Uh, I know a lot of people taking off, a lot of ski vacations. It is what it is, uh, but just a lot of things going on this week, and I really wanted to stay on top of it and go over everything. I got a lot of what we call economic cross currents, and it, it, you, you read various different stories in the news, um, economic numbers that are coming out, headlines in regards to autos, headlines in regards to consumer spending, real estate. We're going to get into all of that, and they kind of pull you in, in a myriad of different directions. Uh, not to mention all the talking heads out there trying to guess what um, the Federal Reserve is going to do next and how that's going to play out in the markets. You've got major stock analysts out there predicting, you know, market sell-offs and guesses. And we're actually going to give you a our market prediction in a little bit. But let's go over some of these uh, some of these highlights here. Household debt is up to its highest level since the 2008 financial crisis. The average household owed total of 142,860 at the end of 2022. Um, they're saying this you know, has to do with uh, mortgages, high inflation, rising interest rates, um, household debt, which increased by 320 billion in the final three months of 2022, hit a 15-year high of 17 trillion. On average, a typical household total of 142,000 at the end of the year. And again, it depends on what type of debt that is. You got to get the breakdown. Um, again, mortgage debt is one thing. Uh, we talked at length here about obviously not becoming house poor, uh, but obviously you have some equity in that. And then there's, you know, credit card debt, which is a completely different animal. Uh, auto debt, um, again, price of a new car, and we'll get into that in, in a bit, has, has skyrocketed. And how is that going to play out when it comes to the Fed and the Fed's target to get inflation down to 2%? Well, I don't see that happening. I don't. Again, a couple stories here on autos that, again, cross currents, things that you find fascinating. A shiny new car is out of reach for many Americans. New vehicle affordability continues to uh, uh, soar as high interest rates and soaring monthly payments have prevented many middle-class folks from owning a shiny new car. The Cox Automotive Moody's Analytics Vehicle Affordability Index um, shows uh, new vehicle affordability hit a record low in 2022. Then you see some of the uh, the average price of certain cars. Uh, Mercedes-Benz, for example, um, their average vehicle price is up by 43%. Now, for, for a period of time, you had Mercedes-Benz, BMW as well, uh, Enter into the at um, the it was basically the starter luxury car, if you want to call it that. 
Um, they had uh, Mercedes-Benz, they had BMWs out there that were priced um, at a much better level. Used to be, you know, Mercedes-Benz, when I was growing up, rich people. That's it. Rich people. Mercedes-Benz, BMW. Um, then all of a sudden you start seeing them everywhere. And I, and I found it fascinating, and we broke this down for, for people here, because um, there's always some... Uh, there's some question when it comes to uh, you don't want to lower the level of your brand because you're selling a certain thing. For for example, you, you don't you don't find sales taking place at Louis Vuitton. You don't find sales taking place at Gucci. They, they keep their price up for a reason. That's that's what they are. That's what they do. And for a long period of time, it's certain automakers uh, doing the exact same thing. However, um, when you bring in cafe standards where you're going to get penalized if your overall uh, fuel uh, efficiency mile per gallon does not fall in line with what the government wants, you're going to get penalized. And that's why many of these car companies said, okay, we've got to be making smaller, more affordable, more fuel efficient cars so we don't get whacked upside the head. You know, they, they still paid the penalty. The German auto manufacturers, they still paid a penalty, but it wasn't as bad. I did the same thing when um, we had the auto bailouts and everybody was getting very upset. We just bailed out the automakers, which I disagreed with. They should have just gone away and then they would have come back in some way, shape, matter, or form. They were all upset because all of a sudden these uh, auto companies were taking taxpayer dollars and opening up factories in Mexico. I said, well, what cars are they making in Mexico? They're making Ford Fiesta. That car with the bicycle tires that Ford has to make, not because it wants to make it. It's because it has to meet government standards for its entire fleet. Well, guess what? Guess what? You got to make those cafe standards. You're going to do it doing what now? Electric cars. Electric cars, not cheap. Not cheap. So you're going to throw a lot of this by the wayside. It's going to happen. You take a look at these cafe standards. They keep saying, okay, the price of electric vehicles are going to come down, but all the auto companies are going to be facing this. And again, cars are going to continue to be very, very expensive because of this. Not going to make it expensive. You're not. Does it make any sense to? You're, you're in the business of making money. And again, you have to play by the government's rules. Not much of this, let's go conspiracy theory here by design. It's by design. I think that the grand desire is to, you know, the, the, the left, the green movement, they don't, they don't want people in cars. They want them on public transportation. And again, I, I, for one, I have nothing against public transportation if it makes sense. Again, I lived in New York City, lived in Manhattan for 10 years, didn't own a car. Stupid to own a car. And friends of mine, oh, we're going to get a car. For what? For what? So you can leave it in a parking lot? Oh, you're not taking your car to work. You're going to, you know, take a cab. You're going to get in the subway. You're going to get on a bus. What, so you can go away on the weekend from time to time? Maybe uh, drive out to the Costco in Brooklyn? No. Stupid. But again, you know, to each his own. It makes sense in certain places. We've talked about this in terms of uh, rail here in this country. 
um, and how you know, Northeast Quarter works and many of these other areas don't. Florida actually ha- now has a rail line that they continue to expand that's private. Love it. Fantastic. That's what I like. Got to show a profit. Have to make money. Anyway, we're now starting to see more auto payments coming in late. 9.3% of auto loans uh, extended to people with low credit scores were 30 or more days behind on payments at the end of last year. That's the highest share since 2010. People with low credit scores, meaning that they've been paying a higher interest rate the entire time. So the companies, they, they price the risk into this. And guess what? It's what you don't pay. They're going to take the car. And even though used car prices have come down to, to some degree, they're still elevated. I, I remember, I don't know if you, you recall this, there was commercials that used to run all the time. It was I'd have to say probably around 2005, 2006, 2007, Mitsubishi, the automaker, they started promoting this car. I forget what the hell the name of it was, but it was, you know, young people in the car playing music and dancing around. And it became this hip new car that they just, they let anybody, they let anybody walk in. They were just, there you go. You want the car? Fine. They didn't do a check. The whole freaking thing was house of cards and fell apart. But, um, this is the reality that that's going to happen. And again, you, you talk about what I just mentioned, the higher, um, higher price, um, the higher price of, of automobiles. Um, again, what can the Fed do about that? This is going to be a part of inflation, right? It's going to be a part of inflation. What in the world, what in the world is the Fed going to, they can't do anything about this. Um, again, it's going to be very hard when, when you have the government getting involved in the free market, which it does to a great extent and most certainly is getting involved when it comes to uh, transportation, cars, cafe standards. How, you know, how do you get that price down? You're, you're going you're to force car makers to make inexpensive cars? That's new. I mean, you, you force them to, well, you did that before with the cafe standards, but now they figure out, oh crap, we can make more expensive electric cars and, you know, fly under the radar on the rules. Again, they're going to make more money. It's more profitable for them. This is a better business model for them with the electric vehicles. It, it is. Anyway, um, persistent inflation, keeping grocery store prices high for consumers. Um, Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, to price index January release last week showed that prices for food at home, the classification for food bought at the store to be prepared at home were up 11.3% compared to last year. That's well above the overall inflation number, which came in at 6.4%. Again, this is what I said, that when people are feeling that they say the economy is terrible and bad, it's because of this. It's because of what you have to spend on the necessities of life. And this has been an ongoing theme. We've talked about this for some time here. Um, certain aspects of this, and quite frankly, it's been my belief system. This is, again, it's government. How, how in the world is the Fed going to do this? You know, and and you, you'll see economists and people out there, well, the Fed's got more work to do. Look at the inflation on food. Let me, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Um, you're going to starve people? I mean, people have to eat. 
It's not, not something that they can go without. They're going to have to eat. The only way you deal with food inflation is either, yes, you can either starve people, starve people, or guess what? Increase the supply. Do you want choice A or do you want choice B? I'm going to go with choice B. I'm going to work to get the government out of the way and try to increase supply. I'm not big on going out there and starving people. Yeah, it worked for Joseph Stalin. Yeah, it worked for Stalin how to do that, you know, but it just seems kind of un-American to me. Office landlord defaults are escalating as lenders brace for more distress. See, I told you so moment. 10,742 or three. I, I don't know where we're at at this point in time, but yeah, we, we told you exactly what was going to happen. Um, this is going to continue. You're going to have a lot of these um, real estate groups out there that they know how to structure this stuff where they, they'll just turn the keys in. They'll just turn the keys in. They, they, they're protected themselves. Real estate laws are, it's fascinating how that entire market works if you know what you're doing and you know how to play the game and the taxes. But uh, giant investment manager Brookfield Asset Management recently defaulted on a total of over $750 million in debt for a pair of 52-story towers in Los Angeles. Yep. Um, another company's in talks of credit. This is 61 Broadway down the financial district. And you're seeing these things again and again and again and again and again. Um, again, the way that they structure these things, um, makes it difficult. You're not going to go after these big asset come can't, they're, they're protected from this, but what's going to happen to these buildings? Yeah, sure. You're going to get, um, you're going to have certain buildings, certain properties that are brand new that have all the amenities that that's where everyone is going to go to. Okay, that's where everybody's going to head. Remember um, Mad Men? Okay, one of my, one of my opinion, one of my favorite uh, television shows. Uh, AMC put that out. It's a brilliant, brilliant program. And again, you go back to you know, starts in the fifties, sixties, goes into the seventies, and you, you take a look at office life at at that point in time and how offices were structured and and put together. Hell, hell, I, I can even go to you know, the first office that I worked at, a couple of them. I mean, the office space in Rockefeller Center is old. It's old. That was the first office I had. Old. I mean, I, I, I bet you that place is practically, you know, I don't even think it's half full at this point in time. Sure, you're going to get some of the retail down at the bottom that they can charge an arm and a leg for. Um, again, and those, those buildings are old. I don't know how they're, they're levered up or how they're structured at this point point in time but companies want they don't want low ceilings they, they it's a different environment now you don't have a, a zillion uh, uh um secretaries and assistants and office staff to handle everything again i again i go back to when i started in this industry the the support staff that was needed to, to run an operation compared to, where, to what it is today due to technology and efficiency that you can't compare so again, you know, businesses are looking for something completely different. So all of these these old offices and the design, you know, companies are like, you know, we're, we're cutting down on the amount of people that we're sending in. They say right now they're about fifty percent occupancy. You think that, you know, that there's not going to be even a greater fallout due to this? 
yeah, yeah, it's it's going to get worse instead of better in many of these urban areas. It's the reality of the situation. I know certain companies are up, oh, you know, we got to have you back in to work for a certain amount of days of the week. Yeah, yeah, some of the financial companies in New York, maybe. But again, also many of these financial companies that are based in New York now have offices in other states. And, you know, you come in and boss, hey, boss, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to transfer down to Palm Beach. I want to transfer to Tampa or Nashville, whatever it may be. It's going to be an option. I mean, not so much if you're going to be, you know, yo, uh, low on the totem pole and working your way up. But many companies, it it's saves them money. So that's not going to change. Again, another cross current that's happening right now. Then you see stories like this. Investors worrying, but uh, too hot of an economy will put the Fed on a more aggressive rate path. The U.S. economy doesn't look anywhere close to a recession. Again, an NBER recession where you have to have unemployment go through the roof. Um, no, it doesn't look anywhere close. But a textbook recession with two quarters of negative economic growth, uh, again, I, I, not right now. Could it happen this year? Absolutely. Uh, but really, the, the Fed would really have to wreck the economy to drive unemployment up to the levels that, you know, again, many economists are calling for. And again, I, I think that they're sadistic. I think that I, I got. I did. This is kind of evil. So you want the Federals to in order to tame inflation? You want to put people on the unemployment rolls. You want to put them on food stamps. How is that productive? Isn't there a better way to the uh, proverbial way to skin this cat? Anyway, uh, investors are starting to worry that uh, may ultimately be bad news for markets. Wall Street spent much the past several months hoping the Fed would be able to pull off a soft landing. Uh, evidence of the economy's resilience, coupled with signs that inflation has been moderating, helped bonds and risky assets like stock take off at the beginning of the year. But a string of hot data has convinced investors that there may be no landing. Two separate inflation readings, again, we talked about last week, showed both consumer and producer prices were up more than economists had expected. Retail sales posted their uh, biggest monthly gain in two years. Again, it's also because of inflation. And the labor market has remained robust. Again, can the, the Fed fix that? No, they can't fix that. They can wreck everything and then start over again. It doesn't, doesn't make much sense today. But I, again, I'm... Here on the program, I go over these, these cross currents telling you what's going on. Uh, we deal with the terrain, okay? Trying to put all of the, the narratives aside. So, so um, predictions. And here I think of the word prediction. I think of Mr. T in Rocky Three when the uh, sports reporter asked him, you know, what are your predictions for the fight? He's like, prediction? Pain. Anyway. Uh, for the overall markets, just call it pain. For certain people, maybe, that have a, have a tough time, again, seeing the forest for the trees and understanding what the, the markets are, yeah, it's going to be painful for them. Uh, not so painful for people who are smart. Uh, do I, I think we're going to see 
continued churn moving forward. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, we had a great first month out of the year, but I, I don't really expect much uh, over the next several months. But again, it doesn't change anything. But I was to tell you, I was to tell you this one out loud. I said, I, you know, I think the markets are probably could sell off based upon certain economic conditions. Say, I'm telling you this. Markets, I think, could sell off. How much? Let, 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 we'll, we'll play it. We'll say it's, they go back to October, but they were back in October. It's what, maybe a 15, 20% move to the downside. And it does it over, let's say, the next four to five months. Then, you know, things turn like they inevitably do. And then into 2024, we see new highs. What do you do? What do you do? Did you listen to me and say, oh, boy, that Markowski, he's, he's smart. He, he knows what the markets are going to do. And you try to trade that. No, no, I am. I'm going to tell you what my prediction that I just gave you is worth. Nothing. I, I could be wrong. You see, that that's the difference. I, I learned long, long time ago that I just not capable of doing that. I know that's the game. I know that's the game. That's what they, they want you to believe. All these, these guys on TV, they want you to believe that they're capable of doing these things, but they're not. You know, everyone's situation, I say it again, 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 is unique and different. And, and because every situation, everyone's situation is unique and different, it needs to be handled as such. And I, I take a look at some of these short-term treasuries and instruments out there that are great for, you know what, my son Nicholas's college money. He's got another year and a half before he goes to college. I, I don't need the money yet. There's, everything is based upon your time frame and when you need to have access to that money, when you're planning on using it. You, you don't want to be looking at your portfolio every single month and trying to decide what you're going to sell in order to pay the bills. That's not prudent. That's not smart. You, you, last thing in the world you want to do. So, you know, what is your situation? What, what is your time frame? Again, I, what if I'm wrong? What if my prediction is wrong? What, what if the Fed decides, I looked at, took another look at the data and they actually wisened up and they said, we can't fix this inflation thing. It has to be done out of Washington, D.C. We, we, want, we want to increase investment in these areas where we can increase supply. And all of a sudden, the markets take off like a rocket. Well, you sold, you missed it. What if I'm wrong in the sense that, guess what? The markets stay down for a longer period of time and that they don't recuperate until the latter half of, let's say, 2024. Again, you're trying to, to guess what's going to happen. That, that, for all intents and purposes, that's, that's short term. This, these are short term numbers. And, and again, this is why you do not try to play them. And I, and I, I go, back to, um, go back to the Great Recession, financial crisis, 2008, 2009, and how long that played out for. And how, you know, into February, into March, and then all of a sudden it stopped. It stopped and it turned. And, you know, 
things went in the opposite things went in the opposite direction and we had a weak economy over that entire period of time uh, do, do i think that we're going to have uh, a tick up later on this year into next year capital expenditures investment yeah i do i do but again you know you take all of this and you also couple it with all the geopolitical things that are happening uh, right now and, and issues out there well, yeah you got to factor that into consideration as well. But that's always been the case. Always been the case. It's not new. It's not different. Anyway, anyway, let's take a look at uh, a couple numbers. Uh, again, today, Walmart, I mean, they're talking about, whew, they beat on earnings by 20 cents a share. Uh, this fiscal fourth quarter that ended January 31st, um, revenue blew it away too. Um, but again, they're issuing a bit of a cautious outlook moving forward. I'd do the exact same thing if I was a CEO. I'd do the exact same thing. You're going to try to be as conservative as conservative can be with what you're going to estimate, and then you're going to go out there and you're going to beat it. What you're going to do. Uh, Home Depot today um, beat on earnings by two cents. However, revenue was down. And both of these stocks are under pressure. Uh, again, timestamp the show. It's you know ten fifteen a.m. Eastern time. Um, and again, I don't, I don't see much of a change over the course of the day, but it it could. I don't know. Um, all, all I know is both of these companies are they're pretty well positioned. They run pretty darn good businesses. And depending on your situation, they may or may not may or may not need to be a part of your portfolio. Again, I don't know you. Don't know you yet. Anyway, uh, this is, again, this is a big story right now when it comes to tech. There's this internet rule that came out, uh, I think it was, what, 1996, if I'm not mistaken, 1996. Um Section 230, and under this, this rule, 1996, again, think of the internet in 1996, okay? Mark Zuckerberg was 11 years old. Internet platforms can't be treated as the publisher or speaker of information provided by their users. So if a restaurant is defamed on Yelp or Facebook or Twitter, the party who is legally liable is the author of the malicious review, not the website. Again, town square. How can a town square be liable for some idiot going down to the quarter and saying anything? That makes sense. However, this was, this was before algorithms. And the argument is being made is that these internet platforms utilize algorithms in how they go about presenting conduct and what gets seen and what doesn't get seen. So that, for all intents and purposes, makes them a publisher. That's what we're dealing with right now. I, I always side, on, and as far as caution is concerned, with um, regulators and the government getting involved in uh, free speech. I always do. Um, I, you know, I've said years ago, I think that there's, there's ways you could clean up social media and they're not that hard, not that hard. And get rid of all of the fake accounts. 
you have to verify who you are. Verify who you are. You, you, you want to join a gym? You have to, you know, show ID. You have to give them information. You have to verify who you are. Get rid of all this anonymous crap that's out there. Then, you know, people can be actually be held responsible for what they're saying. But again, in, in the drive for, you know, advertising and more clicks and more views, the social media companies have been hesitant to do that. Now, interestingly enough, you had... Um, Elon Musk and Twitter come out and talk about paying for a blue check being verified. And uh, Facebook, Meta, just said that they're going to be doing the same thing. Do I think it will help? Yes. Um, I think also the concern is by certain people out there is, you know, how, how these algorithms are used, how they're manipulated. Um, again, I... I mean, honest with you, again, I, I'm now doing our vlog. If you're watching this now, you might be listening to this on a podcast, uh, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out, you know, again, I want as many people as possible to see the work that we put out on a daily basis. And, you know, you have to figure out how the algorithms work and you got to do search engine optimization and put things behind on the website. It's a real, quite frankly, it's a real pain in the ass. It is. I, I almost wish they get completely rid of that. And you just pay. You know, you, you want to get in front of X amount. You can do that, too. You can boost posts. But, uh, I mean, rules that you have to apply by. Let me give you an example. I do uh, every day. I've been doing this for a decade and a half, two decades now. Money Minutes. Go out to certain radio stations around the country. The nature of radio has changed. Radio is not the same. It just, it is what it is. You're not getting the type of uh, listenership that you had in the past, not even close. But anyway, um, doing that, and I also post the money minutes uh, on our YouTube station, Watchdog on Wall Street YouTube station, in these things that they call shorts. Okay, always short, fine. Um, but if, if I go over by one second, if it's a minute one, gets kicked out you know, you're not going to get the the type of um play um that you're you're not going to get the views because of it and it's i i don't know how the algorithms work i i really don't but i i understand people's concerns with that it's going to be an interesting supreme court case they're actually calling this uh section some people call in the section 230 the magna carta for the internet i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see um, let's, let's shift a little bit to some geopolitical things. Obviously, big story this weekend, um, Joe Biden going, President's Day is going to the Ukraine. Um, again, like clockwork media, is, you know, oh, this is awesome. This is great. This is so brave. This is fantastic. All this stuff. Okay. Okay, if, if you think so, that's your opinion. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um, and they remember them talking about, oh, my God, air raid sirens were over Kiev. Yeah, it was a fugazi, okay? They ran that on purpose for, for you know, drama purposes. Again, it's politics, wag the dog type stuff. But um, promising another five, half a billion dollars in aid as we continue to, to pour money into the Ukraine and you get both... This is what makes me nervous with all of our conflicts and wars. You know, when they when they get going, 
you went up both sides of the aisle come together in regards to their support for war, whether it be you know our foray into Afghanistan for a period of time or Iraq. I mean, if you do remember, if you recall, uh, they actually the Democrats in the Senate at the time they they demanded that they come back and hold a session because they wanted to go on record as voting in favor of going to war in Iraq. Hillary Clinton being a part of that crew back in the day. So you get the editorial boards from various different newspapers talk about how awesome this is and, you know, what we need to do. And now there's the issue um, with China and how, I guess, we drew a, it's a, you know, some sort of diplomatic, they're calling it red line. Uh, last time we used the red line, that was chemical weapons in Syria, and we let it slide. So, I, again, I don't know whether that this, this red line thing is going to, uh, you know, happen or not. Um, the concern is whether or not China is going to start supplying Russia with weapons. Well, they're going to start supplying Russia with weapons to be utilized in Ukraine. Zelensky's come out and said that that is going to be World War Three. And again, you're going to have a lot of stories uh, about this and the concerns. And it is a concern. Um, I'm kind of hoping and praying on this one that China is pragmatic. Pragmatic in their thinking. What do I mean by that? Um, Russia is not a very good customer. It's just, again, it's, they're not, they're not. I mean, whose business do you value more? Do you value, are the business relationship you have with the United States and our economy or Russia? Russia, you, you know, Russia, the, the, you know, it's the gas station next to you that has nukes. I get that, but China has nukes too. So I'm I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be cautiously optimistic on on this one that that China's not gonna head in that direction. And China's the 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 uh, what's, what is the guy's name here? Crying out loud. Um, his last name is Wang. One of their one of their diplomats wang wang yi i'm sorry that's his name i apologize there and he's made several points and he's actually going after the united states and saying that you know the united states the ones that you know continue to hamper the peace process and china wants nothing more than to have this all worked out again they want to sell stuff they want to sell stuff they 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 it's what they want to do uh, they want to establish business relationships. It's not good for business. Not good for business. And um, again, this is why I'm going to be somewhat pragmatic. Um, I'm hoping that they're going to be pragmatic. I'm going to be optimistic that they will be uh, in their decision making. But again, you know, the old Reagan, you have to trust, uh, but verify. Uh, many people around the country, this Biden trip are, are none too happy uh, none too happy at the fact that they feel like Biden is neglecting the home front. And it's uh, you can't argue with that point. 
You can't argue with that point. And you talk about the train derailments, and we continue to have stories coming out of Ohio. Another story comes out this weekend. There was a pipe bomb that was discovered near Conrail tracks uh, in northeast Philadelphia. Um, We've had several train derailments. And again, I'm not a big believer in coincidence. So what does this mean? This, This is a bit of a concern, don't you think? Again, many people as well. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. None too happy, none too happy about what's happening at the border, myself included. We have over 100,000 people dying every single year, drug overdoses, the issues that we have. Again, you know, where are we on this? Nowhere. Nowhere. So the concerns, again, we try to be equal opportunity bashers here on the program. The concerns, people on the right justified. They have a right to be upset. Anyway, this is a, um, it's another see, I told you so. When we talk about all this debt ceiling shit that's in the news all of the time. and Oh, they got to come together and the problems. And I, I pointed this out on every occasion. I pointed this out. I, again, you know, the funny thing is it just popped in my head. I remember when I was on air doing a guest appearance on a radio show. I was on, I was on a bridge leaving Harry Potter world at Universal Studios. I, you know, I, when I, on vacation, again, we lived there. The kids from Florida would go for the day to Universal. And I still got to do my work, you know, still had, you know, do radio shows. So I'd be like, baby, I got to go over there, you know, where it's a little bit, a little bit more quiet, and I got I to gotta do a show now. So uh, doing an appearance at this point in time, I remember David Gregory was the uh, host of Meet the Press and doing an interview with Obama, and I remember Obama put out talking about Social Security and Medicare and people not getting their checks and debt ceiling and not making good in our debt, and I'm, I'm like, we can't. Section 4, 14th Amendment, Constitution. The validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law shall not be questioned. This provision was adopted to ensure that the federal debts incurred to fight the Civil War couldn't be dishonored by a Congress that included members from former Confederate states. The public debt clause isn't limited to Civil War debts. As the Supreme Court held in Perry versus the United States, 1935, it covers all sovereign federal debt, past, present, and future. The case resulted from Congress's decision during the Great Depression to begin paying federal bonds in currency, including those that promised payment in gold. Bondholders brought an action in the Court of Claims demanding payment in currency equal to the current value, uh, uh, gold value of the notes. The justices concluded that Congress had violated the public debt clause and that its reference to the validity of the public debt was broad enough that it embraces whatever concerns the integrity of the public obligations. Now, what does this mean? Um, We can't default. Our Constitution says that creditors have to be paid. If they're not paid, they can sue for relief. And guess what? They're going to win. Those who warn of uh, default confuse debt payments with other spending obligations. 
A failure on the part of the United States to meet any obligation, whether it's to debt holders, to members of our military, or to Social Security recipients, is effectively a default. That's what Janet Yellen said. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. not it, it, it's not. So I, I, let me give you an example. Um, if you... Um, if you don't pay your landscaper, if you don't pay your landscaper, um, do you default on your mortgage? No. No, you do not. Um, authorized and even appropriated spending isn't public debt. For constitutional purposes, promised benefits from Social Security, Medicare, and other entitlements aren't even property. Again, I wrote about this. We talked about this on the radio show uh, several weeks ago. Fleming versus Nestor, Supreme Court case. Okay. Um, Guess what? Congress can reduce Social Security. They can increase Social Security. You don't own it. You don't own it. There's no property there. When lawmakers were drafting the 14th, Amendment, they revised Section 4's language to replace the term obligations with debts. The Treasury ran out of money. The congressional uh, constitutional obligation to pay bondholders would trump all statutory obligations to spend. Ms. Yellen also said that Treasury systems have been built to pay for all of our bills when they're due and on time and not to prioritize one form of spending or another. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's just not true. Uh, the Treasury Department conceded in 2011, that's when I was, back when I was given that, uh, you know, interview on the air, um, the government's fiscal machinery certainly could prioritize payments to bondholders and the Federal Reserve prepared for such a contingency. There's no question there'd be enough money. We, 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 we collect what? We collect almost a half Half uh, five hundred billion dollars a month in tax revenue. That's what 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 fifty five billion in debt service a month. So it's more than enough money. It's more than enough money coming in to pay the debt. Okay, this is why this entire thing. We always kind of go over, you know, the, the narratives and the bullshit that's being pushed on you. Um, by law, okay. By law, United States Constitution, bondholders will be paid. This is when we start talking about, oh, you know, it's essential services or essential workers and all this stuff. It's the only ones that are going to stay on. I've always been my opinion. That's, you know, that's the purpose of government is you only have essential workers and essential services. Everything else we can probably find, you know, outsource it, get rid of it. Just saying. Anyway, have a great day, everybody. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We'll see you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.